Hello and welcome to the SAMOP Specialty Spotlight Podcast. This podcast was created to help inform military medical students about experiences and opportunities in military medicine. We aim to interview physicians either currently in or retired from the military from all branches of service in various specialties. Today, we are very fortunate to have Dr. Wallace with us. Thanks, Dr. Wallace, for joining. You're welcome. Glad to be here. So first of all, tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, where are you from or what medical school did you attend? Well, my uh, opening line, that is, I serve to heal, which means I'm an orthopedic surgeon in the Army. And that is kind of my purpose and what gets me up in the morning. I went to um, Boston University Medical School, actually, and I am married on my 30th year, and I have three adult kids and many, many dogs along the way. (laughs) That's awesome. Where did you do your residency? I was at the old Walter Reed, which doesn't exist anymore. Okay. And tell me a little bit about why you think you chose to become a physician. In high school and middle school, I was really good at math and sciences, and that was definitely the nerdy side of me that I loved. I was talking to my aunt one day at her kitchen table, and she suggested I become a doctor, and I thought, wow, that sounds like a really good idea. (laughs) And so I kind of rolled with it, and it did fit me very, very well. I love the taking care of people part of it, the science part of it, the communication part of it, uh, the puzzle part of it, I think is my favorite part. What led you to join the military? Money. I was definitely looking for money to go to school. I started out um, my probably my junior year of high school looking for scholarships and went to all the services and signed up for all their scholarships that I could apply for. And the Army came up with the best deal. Glad to hear that. What do you think specifically attracted you to orthopedics? Well, it wasn't general surgery. (laughs) I think that was the number one thing. I started medical school thinking I was going to be a neonatologist. That was my, what I was going to do. And I started doing the surgery rotations. I'm like, oh, okay, well, this is pretty cool. But man, the belly sucks. And then I did my orthopedic rotation. I'm like, ah, okay, this is it. And it was kind of late. It was kind of at the end of my third year, which at that point in time, and probably is more so now, was late, you know, to try to compete for a residency spot. That's awesome. I love to hear that. So I think a good question for our listeners would be, how did you then sort of pivot with your application process to turn towards orthopedics if you were if you kind of found out that you liked it later in your third year well i then set up my fourth year to do as many electives as i could in orthopedics and i worked on getting onto a research project with it that was musculoskeletal focused to make myself more competitive so that's how i pivoted to that and then just started you know networking and building mentorships. I think that's kind of probably the key thing to do once you've identified what you want to do is find a mentor. 
tell us a little bit about your process finding a mentor, at least initially while in medical school. Uh, well, pretty much you kind of will find one, you know, on the rotation where you decide what you're going to do. And there'll be someone who's inspired you and that you kind of gel with that is how you find your mentor, really. Another way to do it is all, often the societies, the professional societies of the different specialties will have a mentor-mentee program and you can apply through them and, you know, find a mentor that way as well. So there's multiple options in person or, you know, through a professional society. Thank you for that. I know a lot of students are always interested in finding a mentor, but there are oftentimes either too many options or not enough options. So I appreciate your guidance on that. Sure. So I know we've talked a lot about um, what you like about orthopedics, but is there anything specifically that you don't like about your specialty? I think the our, our distinct lack of diversity is is trouble for is a little troubling for orthopedics, and the uh, old school way of often telling jokes or inappropriate jokes and or making inappropriate comments is, is something I, I would love to see us continue to work on changing. So there is a movement called Speak Up Ortho. You might've seen it on social media. And it talks, it's an open forum for people to tell their, their stories of, you know, when there was an inappropriate comment or harassment or um, discrimination, uh, that kind of thing. And men get on there too and tell their stories too in, you know, what things they've witnessed or in situations where they've been supportive. So it's kind of becoming an open conversation, which I love. We are actively working on trying to interest everybody into orthopedics. I mean, it's, it's pretty bad when even the urologists outnumber you with female members, right? <laughs> so we are working very hard at we, we just invested about, oh, I want to say five or seven years ago in a program called the Perry Initiative. And it takes STEM lessons through the lens of orthopedics to middle school and high school students. And I, we're trying to plant the seeds that, hey, maybe you could do this too. Why don't you take a look at this? Um, and putting it out there as an opportunity and planting that seed. That's awesome. That's great to hear. I really appreciate that. So let's pivot a little bit to talk about your military career. So questions like where have you been stationed and what different positions have you held during your career? Okay. Well, I started out at Fort Carson as a GMO, which there aren't very many of those anymore, but I was a general medical officer after completing internship. I did do a civilian internship because I did not match into orthopedics on my first try, mainly because I only applied to one program because my husband was also active duty. And I, that was the only opportunity for me to, you know, stay living with my family. So Fort Carson was the first one. And then I went to Walter Reed and did residency after that. And that was five years. We added a research year in the middle. And then I went to Fort Huachuca, which doesn't get an orthopedic surgeon anymore because they closed their operating room down, 
while there, I was chief of the Department of Orthopedics, which was, you know, only me, but, you know, <laughs> and then I was chief of the Department of Surgery. At one point, I was interim DCCS there for a couple of months in a transition and even just acting commander here and there when needed. It was a pretty small place. From there, I actually had completed my ADSO and I got out and I had a break in service for about seven years and did a fellowship in sports medicine and then practiced a little while and realized that my value and purpose really wasn't taking care of soldiers and worked on coming back in and it took about a year to get back in and I've been back in for about five years and I've been at Campbell for those five years, Fort Campbell. That's awesome. Thank you. What did you do during your break-in service besides go to fellowship? I was hospital employed for a couple of years and that was my dream job. Unfortunately, they had started a new practice and had overhired. And so my contract wasn't renewed because they didn't need all of us. From there, I went to a huge multiple specialty private practice uh, company in Wisconsin uh, over 700 physicians. And I was only there about 18 months when I realized I was in an orthopedic practice of five men who just didn't want a woman partner. And so I did not stay there. And from there, I went to uh, the VA, the Green Bay VA. Um, and then that's where I worked on getting back in. The VA was great taking care of them, but it was really hard to get anyone to the operating room because many of them were very, very unhealthy and not eligible for elective cases. Sure, that makes sense. Thank you for sharing that with us. So what advice do you have for students who are not so sure what specialty they want to do? Mm -hmm. I always think people pick their specialty based on their personalities. And I think that's a really good way to match it because you've got to work with this this group of folks, you know, for forever, honestly. And you've got to have that, you know, that connectedness and that sameness. So, you know, orthopedics is fun because we have the most toys, I think. And, and that's really what attracted me to it is that there's always something to MacGyver. There's always something that isn't working right or some new twist in the anatomy or something unexpected that didn't show up on the MRI that you've got to figure out and work through. And that's kind of neat. That's why I picked it. Now, what advice to someone else? Um, ask a lot of questions, see a lot of different things, and try it out somewhere else too. Because it's, you know, orthopedics isn't the same at every location and neither is peds and neither is general surgery. Um, so if you really think it's you and you just didn't like it where you were, try it somewhere else. Thank you. I think that's really important when oftentimes for our third year, we're in either the same hospital or hospital system um, that oftentimes our, our patient population is definitely not representative of you know, the, the greater population, nor is it representative of the 
the military population that we will eventually be serving. So thank you for reminding us of that. (laughs) Is there anything that you wish you knew either as a medical student or an intern or a young attending? Oh, that's a hard one because obviously you don't know what you didn't know. Um, I think my mantra really is always, it's all going to be okay. It's kind of like that dictum and surgery, all bleeding stops eventually, right? And if you can remember that, keep whatever's happening in the moment in perspective and not, you know, go jump off the bridge, that's usually will serve you the best. It is just like in hockey, it's always the retaliator that gets caught. (laughs) And so you have to think carefully. And then always, always put patient safety, patient care, and your staff at the forefront of every decision and every situation you're navigating. And I don't think you can go wrong doing that. Thank you. So what, I know you said you took a break in service and found that um, your passion was really caring for soldiers. What kind of brought you to that or what has kept you in the military since that? What's kept me into that? Um, real Well, really working towards retirement. I, so I left at 13 years, so I have seven to retirement. So I have a couple left to get to retirement. Um, it is really the best purpose job in the world, I think. It is what keeps you going, what gets you up in the morning, what keeps you coming back, despite the death by a thousand paper cuts and um, the administration that doesn't do patient care telling you how to do patient care. I think that's the hardest part of the job. Thank you. So a couple more questions and I might ask a few random ones if you don't mind. Um, Sure. (laughs) But what advice do you have for students who are currently applying for residencies and interviewing? I think the personal reach out is very, very important. I think a handwritten note goes a long way. Probably not a thing anymore, but it should. And so a letter of uh, cover letter with your resume. Uh, expressing why you're interested in their program and be specific. Don't be, you know, colloquial or, or, or catchphrasy. What, what really is it? And then a follow-up thank you letter. I think those are huge. Those pay huge dividends to keep you top of mind. Thank you. And my last and most favorite question before I ask you if you have any questions that you want to answer is what book recommendations do you have for either students pursuing orthopedics specifically or students interested in developing their officership while in medical school or just any good book you've read recently? (laughs) Well, right now I'm reading um, Mitch Rapp, which is a fiction book, you know, CIA spy stuff, which is very good. Um, 
my favorite nonfiction book that I've read recently is a book called Fair Play. And it is about how to divide up the household tasks in a relationship. And that relationship can be any combination of relationship. It doesn't have to be husband and wife. It can be any combination with or without kids. And the book talks about these 100 different tasks that are very common to everybody's lives. And it talks about conception, planning, and execution of each of those tasks. And then it talks about dividing up the playing cards. There's 100 playing cards. Whatever ones apply to your life, you then divide them up equally. So, for example, if you're the parent or person in charge of soccer practice, then you're in charge of getting the child signed up on time, getting the gear for the child, getting the snacks when it's your time to bring snacks, getting them to practice on time. And so the entire task is yours. And it, it, um, I think for young professionals, especially young professionals who are dual professionals, right, need something like that to avoid the, the petty conflict that is going to come because everybody is stressed and everybody's busy. And when it's laid out in the plan, it's, it's much simpler. My husband retired in 2001. So he's about 10 years older than me. But um, so we were dual military for hmm, what? 88, 92, almost 10 years. So tell us a little bit about how you navigated that and your family life. Well, um, obviously I had to make choices. Uh, the one I already told you about was to choose to only apply to one ortho residency that first year out of medical school. Um, and then the others were, you know, really choosing, do we live together or apart or do we risk that in many career decisions? Um, my husband, not, not really for me, but for family reasons, his mother had Alzheimer's came off the fast track in his career and he made, he had three company commands and he was BZ to major. He was an armor and was on the, the fast track to really excel and took a step back and then took an ROTC job to go home and, and take care of his mom. So, you know, you just make family choices and I don't think you'll ever regret putting family first is what I would advice. I would give folks navigating it together is working very heavily with your consultant, you know, on your assignments. Um, the AIM marketplace makes it a little different now, I guess, than when I was going through it, because then it was y'all and who you knew, right? Um, and honestly, I don't think the marketplace changes that that much, other than it's probably more evident to the job seeker what jobs are out there. But it's still, they're still going to hire who they know or who they've heard from you know, it's not going to be a blind pick. Thank you. That's very important to, to think about and consider. Um, so are there any other questions or pieces of advice that I didn't ask you about and anything you want to share with our listeners? Um, I think my number one rule is trust your gut. When you know something's wrong, it's wrong. And stay with that. Um, listen to your patients. They will tell you what's wrong. If you don't, just don't interrupt them. <laughs> Walk in the room and say, how can I help you today? And listen 
for 90 seconds without interrupting. Uh, and then ask your clarifying or um, poignant questions, pertinent negatives that you need to ask. Your history is what develops your differential diagnosis. Your physical exam is what confirms your differential diagnosis. And advanced imaging is for really is for screening tumors or preoperative planning. It should not be for fishing and trying to tell you what's wrong with that shoulder or knee or different parts. You should have a really good working differential before you get any advanced imaging. Um, I think that's, those are the, my three main points on being a doctor of any kind um, for folks. And then build in grace and resiliency into your life or burnout will get you. There has to be a balance. There has to be something that you do outside of medicine for yourself that keeps you mentally and physically fit. And you must prioritize that self-care or your longevity won't, won't be there. Thank you. So important to keep at the forefront of our minds, even though the studying is so much right now. So thank you so much. So that wraps up our episode with Dr. Wallace today. Thank you so much for your time and sharing your experiences with us future military physicians. For those of you listening, if you have any recommendations for the podcast or anything you'd like to hear in particular, feel free to email samopseducationchair at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in.